Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads, the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. And today is May 10th, 2016, and this is episode 161. What's the greatest game in the world? You didn't say. Advanced Squad Leader. In case anybody is wondering, it is Advanced Squad Leader. My name is Dave. Uh, My name is Jeff. And we have a very special episode for you. Because we won't bore you with our banter. No, we're going to let somebody else bore you with their banter. <laughs> we won't no. bore you with box art review. No, nope. no box art review. There's going to be no what's Let- in the box. Or letters. No, nope. no, what have you been playing? Oh, wait a minute. No, that's going to do that next Oh, show. yeah, no, what have you been playing lately? We're just going to speak with the one, the only, the original... Often imitated, never duplicated. Russ Gifford. The Russ Gifford. Who goes way back in ASL history, and he will do a nice little discussion about the early and middle days of Avalon Hill. Personalities of the characters. Rex. Yeah. Don. Yeah. Who else? All these people from yesteryear. (laughs) So if you are a young player, grab your grandfather and bring him up close to the radio. <laughs> he's going to want to hear this. And put away your starter kit game. Yeah. He's going to say, I remember that. I remember those days on CompuServe. And the genie. And the genie. Yeah. The CompuServe and the genie with our computer. Yeah, so. And if you're an old player, turn up your hearing aid. Yeah. That's right. You're not going to want to miss this. The inimitable, the irascible, the incomparable, the ir- unreproachable, the I'm not as quick and witty as Jeff. I'm trying to think of just multisyllable words. <laughs> Here's our interview with Russ Gifford. Oh, and, and before we go to the, uh, the interview, Jeff... We have a very special announcement. Really? I love special announcements. Let's get out the pinata. Happy, happy birthday, birthday. Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday. Whose birthday is it, Jeff? Let me get out the, the two half squads pinata, and we're going to fill it. It's, not, it's not full of candy. It's full of dice. The pinata of dice. Six-sided dice. All right, I'll take the first swing. Okay, I got to put the blindfold. You got to have the blindfold oh, on, Dave. Oh, put sorry. The blindfold. All right. There you go. I'm going to turn you around three times. Oh, oh. Maybe make it four times. Whoa. Oh. Then I'm going to give you the bat, <laughs> and then I'm going to stand right behind you, just like they do on America's Funniest Videos. All right. That's then. the best place to stand. I'm going to swing it up. Pinata. Oh, there's a hit. Oh, good hit. Oh, another hit. Yeah. Oh. Hey. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. To Dave Martinson. Martinson. Or do you say Martinson? I say Dave. I just call him. Happy birthday, Dave. He and I are on first name basis. Happy birthday, Dave. Surprise birthday party for you. We are very happy that you're having a birthday. We won't say how old you are now. No. 
Really old, I'm sure. And now, very good friend Dave. On with the show. You know me. Half done job is a job. Well done. Yeah. Oh, there we go. This is Russ. Hello, Russ Gifford. Yes. You are tonight's winner on the two half squads. <laughs> we are calling people randomly around the country. We picked your number. Actually, we had picked eight others, but they didn't, had, didn't know what we were talking about, ASL or anything. So yeah. we just kept going until we, we came upon you. Do you know anything so about it, ASL? Uh, um, as long as it's not American Sign Language, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> then you're good. Yeah, so, I'm Russ good. Gifford, very nice to meet you. And where are we calling you? Where are you at tonight? I am, I am in uh, Nebraska. This is South Sioux City, Nebraska. If you look at your map and you see that little point where South Dakota, Iowa, and Nebraska all all come together to point, I'm just to the uh, the west of, of that, just, just across the Missouri River. And uh, here I am, and here I apparently will be for a while. <laughs> so... You're on the witness protection program. Is that it? Is that how you ended well, up there? No, nobody would go I, there. Certainly, nobody would go there by choice. Well, you you have to be born here. I used to always tell everybody that somebody's got to grow your food, you know, so you shouldn't you shouldn't throw rocks <laughs> at them. I, of course, spent uh, five years out in New York um, for part of this and learned that you know really there is a nice world out there and everything. But but I'm here, so um, you know it's. Uh, I always used to tell everybody, and, and nobody will get this, there was the old Adam Strange uh, journey into mystery comic where, you know, he'd be, he had he was the guy with the jet pack and, the, and everything, and he'd have to fly to a certain spot so the Zeta beam could hit him and it would transport him to this other planet where he could do battle and, and do good and everything. And I, I was that way for a long time because I was doing a lot of contract work out on the East Coast. So uh, it, it felt that way a lot of the times, but uh, I've just been back here working again. So it's uh, it's, it's nice. I miss all my friends out in out in uh, New England, but I never s- stayed anywhere long enough there either because I was some other town every week. I kept telling everybody I was, you know, either the fugitive or or. Todd and Buzz doing Route 66 because every week I was in some other town teaching other people other things. So that's a long-winded opening. Hey, how you been? Well, you, no, but you've that's traveled uh, a lot more than I have. I'm looking at your picture on the internet, and oh. you look much younger than you sound. That might be uh, 15 <laughs> or 20 years old. Now, if you go to Facebook, they just <laughs> added a new one to my Facebook page. So uh, what can I say? So, no, I just mean in all the references that you were making to all those great old TV shows and oh, things. Oh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, you know, my favorites, you know, you went from, you know, you had Route 66, you had The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. And, of course, for all of us, the one that was important was Combat. Uh, yes. You know, so, uh, and, I, and I've always said that ASL may not be a, a true historical simulation of World War II, but it does a great job of simulating combat at every World War II movie we all in the 60s grew up on. And that's mm-hmm. what <laughs> That is for sure. Would you say that uh, it was those shows that piqued your interest and got you in the direction of history or... Or was it oh, the other I, way around, or was it your parents, or how did you get interested in history and wargaming? 
I, I would definitely say that, that it was, uh, for World War II and things like that, it was definitely combat in the movies, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, at that, that time in the 60s, every week, it seemed, you had another blockbuster World War II movie coming out, you know. Uh, and and they were, there were some darn good ones in there. There were some clunkers, too, but, uh, of course, the real clunkers probably came along in the 70s, maybe, but we won't go into that. So, yeah, I uh, think that's true, too. <laughs> well, I finally remember, I, I finally remember sitting at home on a Saturday night watching Saturday, ABC Saturday Night at the Movies. And then oh. playing Bridge on the River Kwai. And oh yeah, the the great on the Great Escape and movies like that, and sure. just really being enthralled. Absolutely, and um, you know they they were, you know that that's the other thing that that we need to think about. They were a shared experience that all of us can still talk about today. You know that that we had, thanks to television, thanks to movies, a lot of of us baby boomers at that age or near it had a shared childhood of, of sorts as well. So, yeah. um, you know, we may grow up in different areas, but uh, we, we experienced many of the same things. So very cool. You know, which is the yeah. other way that I got into social history of sorts, uh, which is what I spend a lot of time, my, my part-time job uh, teaching American history at, at a community college, but mostly to adults who want to hear it as opposed to kids who really would just like to check it off the box and move on to something else. And, and preferably if they didn't have to hear you rattle on about it, it would be even better. But, uh, but the adults like to talk about it. So. Well, my ah. students like to talk about it, but that's because I make it super exciting and fun. There you go. Grade. All right. But we do yes, simulations great. and things these days, too. Ah, that's cool. That's very cool. So what, what grade levels are you teaching? Uh, eighth grade. So I get to cover World War II and stuff, yeah. Well, you and you get them at that point where you're going to make a difference, too, you know, where they'll that could change somebody's life and direction with that information. So that's very cool. Yeah, like, like we just ran a, a, a game that's a little gamey, but um, the girls were NATO countries and the boys were Warsaw Pact. And then like, <laughs> test scores counted and there were questions of the day posted for points. And I'd run into the lunchroom. You see, that's what's different than teaching adults. And I'd run into the lunchroom and call out. They formed into army groups. And they'd come out and do a battle, like a foot race or bozo buckets or, you know, for points. And so... And then the teaching in the classroom, they're just a little more, you know, into it because, oh, there's a Warsaw reference here and, you know, or NATO or whatever. So Russ is frantically taking notes. And yeah, he wants to apply want to this that. to his, his adult classes. I, I, I don't think I can get my age group to do that. I, I don't think they'll do it. But it's yeah. very interesting because what I was thinking about was I think it was seventh or eighth grade. I was playing a lot of chess at that time, and I tried to create a move-by-move a move chess game, and I used it to, you know, as, a, as an example of the Civil War breaking out, um, oh. you know, and, you know, going all the way through, you know, what I knew about it then, you know, the, the over here, this, this set of combinations is the Battle of Gettysburg, and here is the, you know, is Sherman's March to the Sea and everything like that, and you know, and and um, yeah, I was a math major, 
in in college and everything. So uh, you know, all of this is odd, but I, I you know, it's that split personality that I think I I have. So uh, you know, but that I just remember my teachers being really. You know, they they either looked at me with awe in the fact that I could still breathe, or uh, you know, with that, wow, that's kind of a cool idea. But you know, that's and and my point to all that was that was just about the moment I then opened up a boy's life and saw an advertisement for Avalon Hills, Gettysburg. Yeah, we've heard that ah. from someone else, has that exact story. I forget which other grognard we were talking to. So then you got into the standard Amon Hill stuff and some other stuff, and then into Advanced Squad Leader right yeah, away I had, played the original. Well, see, I actually, you know, it was before the original came out, and uh, I went... I, I did not stay with Avalon Hill very long. Uh, right around 7071, SP started up, and I pretty quickly moved over to them. And Why is that? Uh, I, I loved SPI. SPI was all, you know, and, it, and it's that myth of the, the time. You know, I had actually started, I'd been playing uh, the Milton Bradley uh, broadsides game, the, uh, you know, the other... Items I had, I, ironically, I had not played Risk until '71 or '73, somewhere in there, and uh, and I I greatly enjoyed uh, Jutland or Jutland, depending on how you pronounce it, from Avalon Hill. Um, I I couldn't stand their Gettysburg game though, and I was really interested in that era and went over to sample the things that SPI had, and it was just like, oh, you know, I mean, this, this was the, 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 the dawning. I mean, my gosh, these guys are incredible, and yeah, they're paper maps, but who cares? And, and to be honest, I had always been in search of a game that gave me that feeling that you got when you watched combat as a kid, you know, where you're walking into a town um, and there are people hidden in different buildings and everything else. And years later, SPI gave me that in City Fight, um, which was an incredible experience. But, you know, when... Uh, and I and really, I played some, uh, some Squad Leader when it came out and played it a bit and, and just never... I, I was not a fan of the programmed instruction. I didn't like, you know, you talk about gaming, I, I could not stand the idea of the penetration on the machine guns, because guys would, you, you felt like you were playing pool. Guys would line them, oh yeah, okay, I can get this shot through here, and it'll take this guy, and then the god-awful track mechanism just drove me crazy with with Squad Leader. And, and you... Yes? Sorry, go ahead. I said, and, and uh, so I I stayed mostly with SPI and until they died, and I did not come back. I was I'd started running the uh, I was the sysops for CompuServe on uh, you know, yeah yeah <laughs> everybody's going until, ah, ah. Yeah. no no <laughs> no those I, were great I, days yeah I read the general and I remember your all your stuff because I was not a techie in the in the least, but I remember I would like dutifully read it all, you know, and and um, 
the genie thing and the yeah it didn't make a real sense to me i didn't understand how the area thing worked so um, uh, yeah. but before before we go to that you do have this sbi um, war game resources site still up yeah we'll link yep. that yeah, that's spigames.net, and it's it's everything about SPI games, including uh, I, I'm trying to essentially write a in my copious amounts of spare time the history of SPI. A lot of people that you know that are out there, you know, the first question: Well, did that ever come out in a box? Did that ever this? You know, how what when was that? So if you go there, you can you know you can find the entire history of the format, how they started, where they got to, uh, what what formats, and and I'm st- the format piece is a work in progress because you will find things that showed up in boxes that you didn't even think were still around by the time they ended. Um, and I've got lots of pages of extra scenarios for them there and everything else. You know the key thing is is we got spoiled then by by squad advanced squad leader when it came out because. It was the real deal. I mean, where you you said why SPI, and it's because it had book length rules instead of those early Avalon Hill games that you know you could drive a Sherman tank or even a Panzer through most of the rules in their games. Uh, it wasn't until Squad Leader, and then more importantly advanced squad leader where they really started making the rules tight on the Avalon Hill side. And that was a huge draw because I played Terrible Swift Sword. I played the big monster games and I loved the fact that they had some pretty stringent rules. ASL did that. And of course the biggest thing that ASL did was that incredible, you know, in retrospect, it just seems to make sense that nobody could even conceive of it for the 20 years before that. The idea that somebody could move and you say stop right there and you shoot them. And if you don't say yeah, stop yeah. right there, they go to the they go to the next hex and you can say, well, I'd rather no, no, you you too late, man. You should have shot him when you had the chance. You know, now you got to shoot him here, and that and it worked. But but yeah. the humor part was I was on CompuServe when that came out and and. Well, well, first, I'd been at Origins when they had announced that they were not going to do the boxed version. You know, they'd already they'd done GI; it had just come out, and they announced they were not going to do the, the everybody. All anybody in that room wanted to know was when do we get, you know, the the Pacific Theater? That's all they've been wanting for ages, and hmm. they told them, well. Don has decided that he can't get there from here and he's got to redo the whole thing. I mean, I, I honestly thought those 50 guys were going to riot. You know, and we were all <laughs> young that they could have. I mean, they oh my God, the, the moans and the groans. And I might have, some of it might have been coming from my mouth. I'm not positive of that. I, I actually was more interested in it because I'd had the experience of losing people that you'd gone all the way up to GI with and you try and get somebody back up to that level, and it was super hard to do. Whereas, with, and that was the beauty of ASL when it did come out, you all learned the same rules, you were all at the same level. If you chose not to do, um, you know, the sure. theater, you yeah. didn't have to worry about it. But in those original, even in the original module, in that original rule book, 
Over here, it told you what was special about the Italians. It told you what was special about, and those things carried through. You did not have to relearn that, and you didn't have to have anything else. So, I mean, everything, but we didn't know that then, and, and we had a couple years to wait, and I was on, on CompuServe when it came out, and I, I just kept polling everybody saying, oh, my God, 45 bucks. I mean, they're again, you know, war in Europe cost 40 bucks. You know, uh, war in the cost sixty, and here all of a sudden you're telling somebody, "Oh, just the rule book is is forty five and and I was they hadn't come out with I, I'm thinking they hadn't come out with it yet. I'm trying to remember exactly. But I, I feel badly that my memory's going, but you know, we didn't know. Even though we were all paying attention, we didn't get that they were going to sell us the module and I and my original. Beyond Valor module, you know, is the smaller squad leader size box. It's not the wider uh, Beyond Valor box. And you opened it up and realized, holy crud, they just sold us all the damn counters again. And when you heard that, and you were going to have to pay that, and and everything, you're just, I mean, again, you could hear the groans go up. But then you opened that box, and, and the artwork was so much better than the original yeah. squad stuff and you went oh and then you started plowing through those counter trees with all the tanks and all the all the stuff and every and it was like oh my gosh and um i still wasn't sold and i was out for a convention and there were three guys playing the advanced squad leader they were they were actually playing um commissar house uh the commissar's house and i was laughing because they had one guy with a rule book and two guys playing. Yeah. And the guy with the rule book was going flap, 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 flap. But it was smooth. I mean, it was beautiful because the rule was there and there was this index. And here I'd been, here I'd been going, I don't think I, I'm not that. I'm not, I bought the, I bought Beyond Fowler because, hey, you got these neat boards. What the hell? You know, I mean, but all of a sudden it was like, I, I, I got to have this. And, you know, talk about life-changing events. I mean, that was just incredible. Um, it seems like it must, have, must, it must have been a very, it must have seemed like a very audacious and uh, courageous, almost, endeavor to put I, out Advanced Squad Leader because it's such a, I, a gargantuan I project. And then you got to hope. You just got to hope that it's going to pay off. And obviously it did. And, and that was all Don Greenwood. I mean, yeah. you know, one guy in this in this whole world that does not get enough credit for anything is Don Greenwood. And I I gotta tell you, you know, you look back at really, I mean, they're they're heroes in that group and all of them are, are mighty and everything else and, and Tom Shaw is an incredible important incredibly important person and, and you can say the dots are as well and things like that. But I mean the you know, Don is that vital link for good games and for great games. And, you know, he had the guts and had the ability to sell it to the dots, and they bought off on it. And I got to tell you, all of us, none of us were helping at all because we were all out there going, ah, oh, this is going to suck, this is not going to work, you know, and I mean, it was just, it was rampant, and it came out, and you got that, and all of a sudden it's like, well, this is really clean. This is really, I mean, and, and you could, for the most part, if you'd played Squad Leader, 
with very little change, you can play this. Now, I will admit, you're hardline squad leader guys, and there's still guys out there that, that won't play it because they were hardline. Your hardline squad leader guys would just, oh, yeah, I mean, you'd hit something and you'd go, oh, my God, that's it. I'm not playing this. You know, the biggest one for years was the fact that you couldn't have your your light machine gun and uh, count in a melee. You know, I, I just remember all these, you know, starting off the start. They were just so funny to, to think about today, you know, but, uh, you know, they were, they were just, they, they didn't have a problem with, because I think, I get the feeling everybody hated the track. I, I'll never forget. I had not played in quite a while, and I played in a tournament, and this, it was a squad leader tournament because ASL had just come out. The guy didn't shoot at me as I went through this one spot, and I ended up running everybody in the world through that same hex. He he then stopped and put down a track, which in my world, you put the track down the first guy through, but, uh, you know, I'm not, it's a tournament, and I'm not going to gripe, and, uh, and uh, he then rolled the snake eyes, and I had 19 guys that had passed through that, that, uh, and, yeah, it was familiar just, with the track. What is is that like a first fire thing? Well, they see they didn't do first fire. So what you do is you'd say you, everybody'd move in squad leader. Everybody'd move, yeah. and during the move, you could put down. It looked like it looked like a sniper scope. You know the the crosshairs. Mm-hmm. You could put mm-hmm. that down. Say, I'm I may fire here. I'm 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 a little hazy on it. It's been so long. I might not choose to fire at that one. But oh, you know, so it was a reminder of... that I do have a line of sight and something did pass through there. So like a retro. And then, yeah, and then you rolled the dice, and if it came through, well, anybody with a brain would only have moved one guy through there. Right. Uh, okay. I see. But, I had been playing ASL for about two months where you took the first fire and this was the second round I've been thinking. And since nobody fired there, I just kept running guys through it. He rolled the snake eyes and it, and it, you know, so, and it was the, the reason I didn't play much squad leader because all of a sudden it's just like you put the movie in fast reverse and all those guys that had passed through that hex now are checking to see whether or not they died. Right, right. You know, and with, yeah, and with yeah. the guys, most of them did. And I was just like, well, you know, we can hang this one up. Thanks a lot. It was a great game. Uh, you know, but, and and it just reinforced how good so, ASL was. Yeah, so that was corrected with the leaving residual, and then people know they yeah. can go around there and all that. Now, Don Greenwood was, we heard him on another podcast. He, he, he actually expressed some regret of taking it a little too far with Advanced Squad Leader. And for Jeff and I, we were like, well, but... But this game has just this huge, you know, niche fan base. And so I think he should still be proud of that. I think so. You know, you have to also realize, though, that, that it, I mean, take a look at it and you can kind of see it. It always amuses me because you could see you got down toward the end of Chapter A, and you guys probably don't remember this, but in the original version before you had the superscripts that, that told you, uh, you know, this was replaced in 87, this was replaced in 89. You know, that end of Chapter A, it was kind of like everything just got shoved in the end. We're getting pretty tired of this. we got to get this out. I, you know, I'm going to say hex instead of location. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. You know, and, it, and it's like everything else. You know, the devil's in the details. 
Don's a player. Don is a, I want to, I want to move. I want to keep going. I want to, I want to do things. And, and, you know, from like, from, from 2021 on in, in chapter a, all of a sudden, this is where those gray points that you have problems, you know, whether it's control, whether it's this, whether it's, uh, you know, how, how, how do I do a melee if, if I've got prisoners? Uh, how do I, this, how do I, that, you know, there's a lot of detail down there in the end. And he was kind of pushing it through. You're looking at, at C and D and boy, that, that first version of, of offboard artillery, you're sitting there scratching your head going, then uh, you get to overruns and you're like, uh, you know, and, but that was as complex as he wanted to get. Yeah. And he'd had we, help, and he'd had a lot of help. Then all of a sudden, you know, Mac came in, who'd been with Fish up in Ohio, and, I mean, they were lead guys on the play testing and everything else. And he comes in, and he makes it, and, and it goes up another step. And you get, you know, and then my semi-entry in, you got, you know, Mac and, and Steve Swan, get together and and you've got you know the the japanese and you got you know the marines and oh my god you know i mean you got beach landings and and caves and i and i'm you know and don just kind of by that point he's just over there going yeah well what you know i i'm over here and and think what he started developing after that you know he develops uh you know first in between there he had up front which he thought would be the, you know, he thought Marion Cards with War Games was going to be the most incredible moment. He convinces the company to start printing cards, which is a huge expense, and it goes nowhere. You know, right. uh, like, later, yeah. on, later on, you know, card, card-driven card War Games are the most important thing in the world these days. You know, but at the time, it was just too out there. And then he goes on to the movement point system in... Uh, what is it, Normandy and, and all those others that that took off with the guy with the rest of the guys. I mean, they, if you look at it, Avalon Hill truly took care of both of all wings of the hobby there in that last decade or so. You know, with the area move guys, the the card driven people, and the 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 techno nuts like us in ASL, and, it, and it's just fascinating to look at how that and and the the irony is that. Don Greenwood is a guy that links all three of those together, you know. So it, it's 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 amazing. So well, you know, just as a side note, we would be very interested in interviewing Mac or Swan or um, Don. Don. Don had actually turned us down a couple of years ago, so I could try him again. But I don't know how to get a hold of Swan and, and McNamara. So if you if you ever see them or email them, and you know, we'd be I will glad I will put a word I'll in for us. Steve. <laughs> And I'm sure Steve is probably still in contact with Mac. And, um, you know, Mac kind of moved on. And, of course, he felt, you know, they they moved him on on top of that, which during that, you know, bad moment. And, you know, I mean, you, you go back in teach history, there's always that crisis moment where things well, go sure, bad but, and they want to be sure, the right but, thing. You know, but, like, who cares but, about that? You know, we want to talk about the history of this game that we oh, love. Yeah. So. And and I and you know he is the guy. You know both of those are the guy. Now now I will tell you, Don is one of those guys. He is the most wonderful person in the world to to conduct a written conversation with. 
you know, which is how most of us, you know, we read his magazines. He inspired all of us. We'd write letters because back in those days, that's what you did. He would respond. You'd, you'd go back and forth. He had this warm, friendly relationship. I'll never forget. I finally made it to an origins and, and, um, you know, here Don and I had, con- had, had had a conversation many times and I go into this meeting and it's, it's going to be all the stuff that Avalon Hill is going to be doing. And there's this, this sullen grumpy guy sitting on the one side of the stage and there's this bright friendly guy on the other side of the stage. And I'm going, Oh, well, you know, the bright friendly guy's got to be Don and the grumpy guy's got to be Rex. Cause every letter I'd ever gotten from Rex was just, yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, Rex Martin, uh, and yeah. he, uh, and it was just, and it was hilarious. And I, and I, the uh, comes question and answer time. I ask a question, and the the bright happy one turns around to the other guy and says, "Would you like to answer that?" And he just rips it apart, takes it, stomps on the ground, throws it down there. You know, that's why I hate doing these things. You always get the stupidest question from the stupidest people in the audience and just stomps up and down on it. And as he's talking, he says something, and I'm like, oh, my God, the friendly one is Rex, and the guy destroying me is my friend Don. You know? <laughs> like, <a> joke. <laughs> but... He, you know, he's not big for crowds and, uh, you know, and it's just so amusing because you get to know him and I mean, he's a wonderful guy, but you know, in front of an audience, he just, and I'm, you know, I'm sure he might've been a friendly guy, but you know how grognards and war gamers are, you know, you get them in a group and they're a pain in the ass. So, uh, you know, um, I, uh, I strongly understand. I mean, it's it's one of those things, and it was hilarious because I I did go up and meet him afterwards and did confirm it. and And the irony is, by that point, I had written to to Don back and forth. We'd talked. You know, he'd always had this dream of you know because he started Origins. And he'd always had this dream because Origins went off to be a business thing instead of a gaming thing. And, and he wanted to get back to what he'd started, the tournament, the concepts. And, then, and I, so now, is that with the board gaming championships? He still does those, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. see, that, that's how Avalon Con came along. And he and I had had a lot of conversations back and forth. I'm sure zillions of people had uh, at that point. And he was pushing them. And, and I was pushing it online because I'd, I'd gotten in a disagreement with with the person who actually ran the 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 whole gaming group for uh CompuServe and I'd said you know and moved on to this new thing called Genie and came in there and I started a bunch of stuff on gaming and came up with this concept of excuse me play by email what a what a concept and yeah, uh well, well yeah, uh, and, can can you explain the CompuServe to me better I, I mean again I, I remember reading about it in the general and like oh I don't get this what is this thing is computer or something I don't know so uh, it a, they were message boards, message boards? It was, okay it was a national international message board okay. and you could also do something really incredible I mean you could post messages and they would scroll by depending on it but you could put them in groups based on what they were about. 
So you've got this huge number of people using this for the time. Remember, we all had 300 baud modems. It cost you 10 cents a minute at the minimum. And um, there were no pictures. Uh, There's nothing like that. But you could exchange messages, and you could do this thing called email, which was also unique uh, in a way. And, and CompuServe was big enough. Oh, my God, they had... They had like eight newspapers. You get to New York. You could you could really only get certain articles out of them. But New York Times and the Washington Post and the St. Louis Dispatch and things. I mean, this was the future, man. This was everything we'd read about in science fiction. And on the way, and of course, a little while later, some guy named Gore started calling it the superhighway and stuff like that. But anyway, um, so the really genie was then. Oh, what was ahead. the genie the genie part then? It was just a different uh, message board? Right. If you really think about it, what these really were, today you'd call them a cloud uh, because they were just a, a massive number of servers. Uh, they would gather. The Internet was out there, but the Internet was also all text. It was far before the, the Mozilla and, and, uh, and everything had been developed. And Genie was a competitor, and that was GE, as in General Electric. Um, and, you know, so you could sign up with them instead, but they were not as big. But we pushed it, we did a lot of work, and, and we really got it going. And, and I'd, I'd written Don about it, and I'd said, you know, this is really cool, and there's this thing here you can, you can play by email. And I started ASL by email using a, uh, a method been developed by a guy that that was in on all fronts uh the one of the earliest sl uh fanzines and it uh it just took off and it it grew you know expanded tremendously and i'd written don said i'd really like to do an article on this here's what i here's my concept he passed the letter on to rex and he but it, but what he didn't know is i'd also ask some other questions and what what all these guys used to do they'd take your letter and they'd answer your questions right on your letter so that they didn't have to do as much and send it back to you so i get this letter back in the mail from don saying you know here's the answers to your questions but i love your idea i really want to see that article it would be really great i've sent it on to rex and you know expect to hear from him but but go for it and i'm excited and i'm writing this article and i'm everything else and i get my letter from rex and i'm like well this is going to be great this is before i've met these guys so now you understand where i'm getting i get this letter from rex where it's just wow I have no idea why I'd have any interest in anything like that. It sounds all fine, but I just can't imagine that it would have any value to anybody and blah, 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 and completely passes on it and dumps it. And I go in the dumps for like two years. And, but this, this article won't let me go. It keeps getting bigger and bigger uh, online. And, uh, you know, this is, this was 87. It goes to 88 a new ASL fanzine starts up uh, at the point by Mark Hanna. Yeah, Mark Hanna. Yeah, I, those I did get, yeah. And uh, loved that. And I said, hey, you know, I've got this article I wrote. Nobody has any interest because it's pretty, you know, one-sided. Uh, let me, would you be interested in it? You know, hey, you know, I don't take anything. And I sent it to him. He's like, wow, this is really great, you know. And, and I'd been doing other things with him 
with the, the magazine. He said, this is a little longer. It's going to take a while. So it doesn't get out until I think he was bi-monthly. It, it takes almost a year by the time it gets out. And he calls me up and he goes, I thought you said the Rex passed on this. I said, you did. He said, well, he wants it now. You know, he called me and I'm like, what are you talking about? And that's how that ended up in the general. But, it, you know, you have to realize with the lag time and everything, else, there was five, six years in between that. You know, yeah. between the time I'd started trying to push it, you know, and the time it came out, you know, it was just a, a lifetime in technology. And it was huge, you know, and Rex started showing up online, then Don started showing up online on Genie. And really, we always joke then because we got AvalonCon going. And and when I say we, that's really generous. Don got <laughs> AvalonCon going. And um, that first one, was really the, uh, we all joked and said it's it's really the first Genie reunion uh, because, uh, you know, especially a lot of the guys for ASL and everything else, you know, were all Genie guys, you know. And, and then they all showed up in person for the yeah. tournament. Yeah. Then? Yeah. And, uh, now, were, were, were Genie and, Genie and CompuServe were in competition, so did you have a presence on both of those? No, I had left... Uh, CompuServe and okay. just gone over there. Did somebody take over then the boards? Yeah, they, they, they take them over, but you know, their bend was not, you know, think about it, most of the guys on, and it's very true today, where did computers go to? Well, we don't want to push little chits. We want to, we want to do all this on computer. And then this other thing is this area rating ladder, is that now, is that, was that, that was just a, a way of I remember I'd always read about it, people playing each other, and then they'd score it, right? And is, is now today there's nothing like that, is that correct, other than you go out and win a tournament? Area was a method to, it was a twofold method. It started with, with uh, Don uh, in general. It was for all Avalon Hill games originally, and you could... Oh, right, the ladder rating. You just get, it, it was a rating, just like you have chess ratings. And and really, it was very little. The the biggest point about area was it, what he was trying to do was get the fact that back in those days, you'd play by mail, you'd start winning, and the guy just disappear. All he'd really have to do is is write and say, "Hey, you beat me. I'm done." But most people, you know, a lot of them would just disappear, and hmm. it was very frustrating. So the concept was they originally created area so that you got points, but you didn't get just points for winning, and you didn't just lose points for losing, but you could also get letter ratings based on the number of games and the and the, the number of different games and things like that, and the number you played either face-to-face -face or by mail, so that somebody could look at your area rating and say, well, he's about the same rating as I am, so we should have a good game. But more importantly, I see he's played you know, 25 play-by-mail games. This guy's not going to disappear on me, so it's worth my time to invest the time. And that was that was the original point. I came along just as the... I, I loved the idea because I used to play chess when I was growing up, and I loved chess tournaments because chess tournaments were organized. I, I, I had... And this is just me. This is bad. Very bad. I like the idea of a tournament because you go in and it's kind of like taking an exam. You find out where you rank for the rest of the people that took that exam that day. 
And, you know, you might be the best, you might be the worst, you're more likely somewhere in the middle, but that's what the scores tell you. But it only tells you that if you're fairly matched up, where every round, you know, you are matched with similar skilled people and you work your way up. And that's actually how I ended up running AvalonCon, because my first articles that I'd written for Rex were about how to create tournaments because I kept going to war game tournaments and they were, you know, not great. Um, friends played friends and, uh, you know, everybody knew who the bad guy was or everybody knew who the tough guy was. So that's who you got to play because you came from out of town. And in my case, as you noted, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. So, I mean, I might drive 12 hours. I'm going to invest money in a hotel and gas and taking time off from work. And there's nothing more frustrating than showing up at a game tournament, finding out nobody's ever play tested the scenarios. Nobody's ever, you know, done anything with this stuff. They pick scenarios that can't be finished in the, in the time frame that you need to finish them. And, you know, and plus, you know, because the GM knows some of them and doesn't know others, even if he's trying to do a good job of matchups, it, it wasn't there. So I just kept saying, look, you know, this is how they handle it in chess. Chess, you've got, you've got fixed rounds, you, you've got five hours a round, you play three on a Saturday, two on a Sunday. You, but the reason that worked was because you had these chess ratings. And the longer you did the ratings, the better off they were. And I pushed it pretty hard, and I got a long ways, and we did do a lot of good things with it. But there's just a hell of a lot of people out there that are, you know, the last thing I want to do is, and I get it, the last thing I want to do is carry a badge around that says I'm a bad player. And you also have to realize it's not only just that. You know, one of the things that Fish always said about it, and he was very, very nice to me about it, and when we got to the point where we had tons of conversations late at night, um, you know, he was always like, my problem is I always play with Action Burke. And here I am. He plays me 10 games in a row. And he's the, one of the best players I know. But I, I just have kryptonite for him or whatever. And I beat the hell out of him. So by your, your area rating, Russ, I'd be rated huge and he'd be rated nothing and i was like okay you got to understand that you know the further you go on the less points you get the less the fewer points he loses then on top of that what happens and i saw this in real life action burke then goes to a tournament and he kicks everybody else's butt and he gains huge points brings down overinflated people's points, et cetera, et cetera. This is all worthless to talk about, but it, except for the fact that because I'd written those articles on tournaments, when Avalon Con started and Don wanted a national championship for, this, for their premier uh, tournament, he turned to Fish, who had started Oktoberfest, and Fish, unbeknownst to everybody else, had had a friend, I think it was Don Munson, if I remember the guy's name right, who died tragically too early. But he used to organize tournaments, so he had a soft spot for me. When he'd read this stuff, he realized I was trying to do the same thing that his friend had been trying to do. And if he was going to do you know, the tournament for Avalon Con, by gosh, he wanted it to be organized. 
So he started calling me, and on the first night he called, it's two, it, it, it was late at night, because he'd always call late at night. You know, it was probably 11, 12 o'clock. And I had, uh, I had, uh, you know, an old album on with, with uh, uh, Hugh Marcella off of, off of uh, uh, the uh, Monterey Pop, you know, the 67 uh, deal. And, and he, when I picked up the phone and said, hi, he's like, oh, my God, you're listening to, whoa. You know? <laughs> and I was like, and you know who he is, whoa. And, and we just had great conversations. And he modeled a lot of, uh, you know, he, he, uh, a lot of that because I'm sure everybody thought, well, we'll just do another Avalon Con. And he was like, no, if this is going to be the national championship, it really has to be organized and it has to be set up in a way that says when we get through, the guy you crown has a good shot of being really recognized as national champion, not the guy that, you know, may or may not have faced the toughest, the toughest lineup. And that's where yeah. ratings and things like that could also come in because later when I had 128 people and stuff, you could kind of say, okay, look, we've done enough ratings now. I know I can cut this in half. I could really project that this is probably the bottom half of the field in a seven round tournament. They are going to lose at least one game. I could project out that they are going to, and we could make it so that, and it always turned out correctly. Um, but I, you know, it, it was just a trick that, that chess organizers had done all their lives and it, it would allow you to make it where you didn't have to necessarily play to just where there's one undefeated guy, you know, I mean, that, yeah. you know, and I mean, that, that's huge. And, and, and it was still tough. We, you know, it took a couple of years to even reach that point. Of course, you just, you know, as a nation, we're all libertarians really, especially in our age group. And, and we just want to do what we want to do and we don't want to follow anybody else's rules. So, you know, the fact that people followed me for eight or nine years, I mean, that's pretty incredible. So I, I got no, I got no kicks, you know, I mean, I, no, no gripes. So yeah, uh, it's kind of cool. And it was a fun thing to do. My favorite memory was like the second or third. There, there are two memories here. We're in this huge ballroom. Somebody comes in, says they're looking for so-and-so. And And I said, "Uh, I looked around. I mean, this ballroom is huge. I mean, there's a hundred and some guys in here all playing ASL. And I look around. I'm like, boy, he's he's back there in the back. And I turned to him. I said, okay, he's he's that guy back there, last table, um, you know, slightly overweight, balding, glasses. He's wearing a T-shirt back there. And the girl turned back and looked at me and said, You've just described ninety percent of the guys in this room. Which one is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said that third from the right, last table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then my my other favorite was I had had to go up to talk to Don about something, and I came back and I stopped in the one of the other ballrooms that had the massive number of mixed games and everything else, you know, because. Uh, with the exception in, in the early years for the first six, eight, ten years, um, ASL was, was the only huge one with the exception of up front. Um, and I stopped at one of the others, uh, you know, and, uh, and I 
was shocked and stunned. I came back and I got up on my table where I usually made my address to people. And I, I was like, guys, 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 I got I to gotta stop you for a second. And they're like, well, I said, this is hugely important. I, I don't know how to tell you this. And they're like, what? I said, I just stopped in one of the other ballrooms. There are women in there. They're, they're actually women in that room. I, I don't know what we're doing wrong. I don't know. How, you know, and by this time, everybody's breaking up and cracking up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, uh, but uh, I was also the guy that... It is a rarity. It, it was rare. But the, it, so is that why... Uh, I mean, do you still go to tournaments? I, I have not gone... Um, is that because there's no women there? No, I'm sorry. That's not the reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, ah. uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I need to get back into it. I loved going to tournaments. At, at the peak, I was playing in 10 tournaments a year, um, the smallest being 16 to 18 people, um, and the largest being Avalon Con with 100 and some. So, uh, you know, it was, and I had a few that were in the thirties and I'd go to Chicago and things like that. But, uh, you know, it, but you're certainly keeping busy. I mean, you're, um, you have, when did you start teaching? When did you decide that you were going to start finding ways to teach ASL? Well, I had always wanted to. In fact, in 93, I showed up at what would have been one of the first or second. Uh, Mac was still at at Avalon Hill, so however far back that was. I showed up at you know one of the early winter offensives specifically to meet with Mac. I brought eight videotapes with me saying, look, I've edited these down. I've got, you know, this series of how to learn to play, you know, ASL. And and he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but they just told us they're they're they've decided it's not they they don't want to spend any money on anything. And then a, a year later was when you had the great bloodletting when uh, and, and it was all based on KGP one came out and it was nothing compared to what Red Barricades had done and that was the yeah, first sure. module that came out <clears throat> prior to that and nobody gets this every you know SPI could never understand why uh, well they knew why but couldn't just just would always look at Avalon Hill and go, why don't they bring out something? I mean, here's we they had, SPI had created Panzer Blitz, and they're like, you know, you need the follow up. You need to be selling the next one. Here's here's this great game. You need to and and the thing was because AH did very few things in house at that time, they couldn't bring out the next. And it was what it was five six years before. Uh, Panzer Leader came out, and then of course they did what they always do, what everybody always does. They make it far more complex and everything else. So Avalon Hill's experience was, you know, where the rest of the world in 1959 Barbie came out, and then all the Barbie clothes came out, and you made a, you know, uh, Mattel made a mint because everybody bought the clothes, but then they'd buy more Barbies too because they had more clothes for them. Avalon Hill had never experienced that, that basic business thing. In their world, you have this huge bestseller, you bring out a follow-up to it, and you're lucky if it sells 
They came out yeah. with ASL, and what happened to them blew their minds because, and, and Mac told me this very clearly, you know, I mean, he had the numbers and, and laid them all out. He's like, they came out with the basic ASL and the book, and all of a sudden then they put out, you know, cause basic, I'm saying, uh, Beyond Valor, but then they put out Paratrooper, and those people that didn't try Beyond Valor tried Paratrooper and went, oh my God, this is incredible. This looks great. And, you know, it was cheap to get into, so they turned around and they bought the book and they bought the, the game. So not only did you sell at least as much as the one before it, but by putting it out, just like the, the, the Mattel instance, you sold more of the original. And they were just, they were dumbfounded, so they tried it again, and here comes Yank, and it does the same thing. You know, not quite so much with uh, the, the Streets of Fire, which I think was the next one, but Streets of Fire, everybody, especially those of us who had been through SL and had played, which was the real, really the real reason I didn't care for SL, was you would have, it would always come down, the original SL in those, in those Stalingrad type games would come down to you know three hexes on my side stacked three levels deep with with nine ten eleven counters side by side shoulder to shoulder and across the street would be two hexes with the the russian defenders doing the exact same thing and you'd be just slugging it out and somebody would you know the die would hit the one and everything would just fall over so i loved the concept of, of deluxe that actually pulled me more than anything but deluxe sold well enough that it would you know and kept selling because at that point it was about this time it was another year or so but about this time that, that everybody started saying you could stencil asl on a dead cat and it would sell and uh you know, the truth is everything was great. And then they came to Red Barricades and the thing went crazy. I mean, it just boggled everybody's mind. And thus, the Dots were willing to say, oh, yeah, we'll have a full-time guy in McNamara. We'll have this this full-time, you know, Rex will spend a lot of his time on it. We have these other ancillary people. We'll, we'll put some of it in all this. And then it took an extra year or two to get KGP-1 out. It was totally the opposite of the type of battle that Red Barricades, where Red Barricades was fast, fierce, open, and just slamming into each other. Here you got missed 14 levels of, of hills and and yeah. can't see any slopes, I think. Yeah, between the between the slopes and the trees and the fog and the mist and the mud and the snow, you're you're just crawling and it goes nowhere comparatively. I mean it did very well, I'm sure, but on what they expected, it did not. And they were committed to getting the second half out, but the writing was on the wall and that's the point where they pushed you know, they they'd gotten They've got Gung Ho out, and it did do quite as well as the Japanese had done. Much the same reason. Hmm. I mean, it's 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 a lot oh, tougher module yeah. than you know where the Japanese at least were. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of charging around. You got these weird Chinese, you know. I mean, it was it, it just didn't do as well. So they, you know, the dots being astute businessmen said got to cut your losses and they're so who are the dots they're, they're the people who owned avalon hill owned 
And did they own Monarch Publishing too? And they were they were Monarch Publishing. And remembering, remember the whole reason that they were able to do what they did was they had a lot of government business as publishers, and that's also why your stuff would end up so late because when they got the, they, the deal to do the 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 budget for the year or whatever else all their resources went toward that and who cares if you the, have subscribers waiting for the general yeah so right. oh, yeah yeah uh, uh the dad just died just recently uh he just passed on and and a lot of people mm-hmm. say terrible things about the dots i'm not one of them uh i had good conversations i can't i will say i could never imagine working for them i uh, you know but even people who did you know, would say, you know, in many ways they were stand-up people, but, um, you know, I, I I certainly remember some very good conversations with, uh, with the dad, and, uh, you know, and, and one of them was about, you know, here he was, he was deciding they would never, they were going to kill the annual, they were going to get everything out of the general, they were going to stop publishing anything with ASL, and I was like, I wrote like this, three or four, I think it was seven pages probably by the time I got done going, look, you know, here's what you got to do here. And, you know, I was a business, I was running a business at that time and everything else. And I put it into straight business terms. And Don had told me a long time before that one of the things that nobody ever got, and it's one of the things that, that caused a lot of friction because, you know, gamers have a tendency to mouth off so when they'd write letters, they'd, yeah, this was the stupidest damn thing, and rah, 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 you know. The thing was, every letter or missive or anything else that came into that office for, for Avalon Hill Games was read by the dots. Oh, so if someone, like I might say something like, oh, I don't like all these landing craft, but sure, suck, I'm still going to buy the next module, they would be able to tell that. Yeah. But if you wrote in the way most gamers do, who in their right mind would ever think of doing such and such? And in fact, it's one of the reasons why I stopped writing the the area column. It's one of the reasons I stopped. It's actually one of the reasons I stopped doing uh, uh, Avalon Con was because one guy, you know, wrote in, you know, because it was two and a half months before the con, and I had not put out the list. Well, I'm the first guy in the world who had ever put out a list of what was going to be in the in the tournaments, and I'd found the hard way that you don't put them out too damned early. Because what happened the one year I put it out like three or four months early, by the time they got to the tournament, everybody was damn sick and tired of those scenarios. Well. <laughs> And and all they did was write. So I got down to the point where I was like, they will come out, you know, six weeks in advance because I want you to... to I, my, my whole concept was, and, and, you know, I developed this idea before we started Avalon Con, um, and it was one of the earliest conversations Fish and I had, you know, because he kept saying, well, how do you decide what's, what's in a deal and I said well I, I have this thing where you put the scenarios in a group and each side picks two and if you have one match that's the one you play so that way you could always bury one scenario if you think that scenario is unbalanced or it's something you just don't want to play you just don't pick it and yeah. um, you know I ended up doing a lot 
more with that where I ended up having two tracks and this and that, but it all, it all worked. And, you know, it, it, it allowed you some control because that was just something I hated going to those tournaments and just knowing you were going to have a loss because you were playing a scenario. And, and, and this happened to me so many times, you know, nobody won with this side, you know, Oh, so how do we decide, you know, and then they declare points or this and that, you know, and it's like, um, you know, if you play tested the scenario, you'd probably know it. Or if we had a chance to have known the scenario beforehand, you know, uh, we could have learned that was the problem with it and maybe come up with a way to do it. And I understand there's that. And this is another age old argument with, with ASLers and the fact that, you know, a lot of people and fish was one of these guys, you know, who felt a lot of the idea of command was making judgments on the fly. Did you make a good one or a bad one? You know, and my yeah. problem was so no practicing the scenarios beforehand. Yeah. Whereas I was one of those, I came from chess and I said, you know, I'm not going to drive 11 hours and, you know, I mean, I already have to deal with dice that might not go my way, but I'm sure as hell not going to invest hundreds of dollars and hours of my time, you know, and vacation time and everything else to decide, uh, you know, I, I made a bad choice and now I, you know, one bad choice and I can't retrieve this scenario to save my life. Well, screw that, you know? So it's two sides of every argument. I get it. And that's the thing. I was always unapologetic. I, I was like, I'm opinionated. It's what I am. I try to come up with something. And, and one of the things that, you know, Fish was, was like, look, you know, the, the, you know, the Oktoberfest open format is for, is for everybody that likes that. This structured idea is because the concept was that it's going to be a national championship. So there you go. And, you know, for a lot of years, it was the international championship. We had, we had, you know, 10% of our, our people, you know, out of that 120, you know, 10, 12 people, at least sometimes as many as 20 were, were international, were Europeans, were French. I, I think, uh, I can't remember his name now, but the one guy, you know, was playing, you know, for the championship two years in a row, and he was from France. You know, I mean, that was that was pretty incredible. That was Marcel Marcel Marceau, I think, wasn't it? Great <laughs> no, no, no. player. And a lot of people didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And there's still, you know, there still is all the Aussies that come to the. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Ohio, when Jeff and I were there. So really, today we have uh, a lot of advantages over um, what you're talking about, like the uh, roar system, where people are rating the scenarios more often to find a better balanced one, and so on. But um, yeah, it's just amazing to hear this history. We are I'm running up, about out of time, I think tonight. Um, yeah, I think for the, we're gonna we're gonna have to stop there, Russ. But but I think we would very definitely like to talk to you again. Okay. Because you are a, just amazing. Yeah, amazing wealth of knowledge, and I think it's not only entertaining but important to get your words down because uh, people are really interested in the history of the game and to. Yeah, for those well, people that lived through it, they just, like they like just, to remember it, and for those people that did not, they like to know what what well, all just, happened. Just realize that you know there are certain people out there that will come to you going, 
ah, that guy was an idiot then, and he's an idiot now, you know, so, uh, you know, hey. Well, yeah. <laughs> our, our, our audience is very, very kind and generous. They are. You'd be amazed at the comments we get, because yeah. we do a whole heck of a lot of stupid things on this show. <laughs> Well, do you want? Did you um, find the uh, the link to all the ASL uh, training? Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll. Yeah, we'd like to link. I got. I'm going to link up the um, SPI one, the ASL training videos, which I think we actually linked earlier because listeners kept, you know, emailing us saying, "Talk to Russ," or "Here's look at these cool training videos." And I really like the way you've written those training videos. They're just so simple and to the point and very very clear. Um, so we'll link those up again. And then you also had the videos, right, on YouTube? Um, somebody, or is that someone else? I think somebody took them and put them on YouTube. Um, I don't I don't know that I did, but... Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yes. see, my thing so is we'll be able to the learn. idea that, you know, you can, if you don't want to listen to me, you don't have to listen to me. You can turn the sound down and just move forward with the, with the deal. Or you can let me talk at my pace and go through that. But sooner or later, you're going to realize, God, this guy does nothing but talk. Let's, let's move on. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I wrote those with the design idea that I, I really wanted somebody who had never seen this game be able to, at least see how it works because I, a lot of my first part was I had to teach myself play and and it's one of the reasons why I loved fish. I a lot of it was the two series replays they did in the general, and um, you know that was that was huge um, and very helpful. So. Yeah, you can learn a lot by reading those. But the problem is, there it's hard to do them. You know, it takes a lot to set up. It takes a lot, and that's why all of mine were here's this, here's the board, here's a picture, here's the pieces. Here, I'm going to put little arrows in to show you who I'm shooting at. You know, here we're going to here I'll, I'll put the the residual counter right on there. Yeah, and and I will say one of the things about the training stuff is that. I developed those. The first five were for a guy that, that had not played and wanted to play. And I was trying to make it. He was far enough away from me. I couldn't get there. So I was trying to make it just as though I were sitting across the table from him to play and to teach him how to do these things. And yeah, one of the biggest time. issues with this has been that the next group came out because uh, a very nice guy said, you know, I really like these and would like more. And he joined with me and would, would play them and would tell me, well, that was good or that wasn't good and this and that. So the next five or so, and that's why I was taking graduate classes and shouldn't have been working on this stuff. Uh, you know, I, uh, he would come back and say, well, I wasn't sure. And then when I would do the voiceovers, it would all work you know i mean I, i'd done rough voiceovers for him but it was you know and and really the rough the voiceovers are rough anyway i mean they're just me talking through it but the last ones were really tougher because i didn't have anybody and i kept sending them out to people to say look you know I'm, i want to make sure this is right you know could you at least you know tell me and, and it just kept getting tougher and tougher, and it's why I haven't really gone on from there. I'd always wanted to finish out with a route one. Well, 
you know, look at the, the, the new rule book when it came out, and then they upped it even further. I mean, you could get a master's degree in routing, you know. And yeah, I just, absolutely. I just, true. I just mm-hmm. want these to be simple. You know, I, I just want this to be, look, here, you know, one of the things that always gets me about games in general is that we all go on and we become very good at it. Well, then you start splitting hairs and you start really defining all this. Well, some poor schmo comes in and he doesn't have that advantage that we had of where you could kind of probably be a little wrong when you first started and did this because the guy you're playing didn't know it any better than you. And he would turn around and, and he'd just get frustrated because you have all these arcane little details that yeah, everybody advantage. comes to know, yeah, and and thus a huge advantage, and that you know. So if I ever, I I always I always imagined my routing piece, and and the version that I have of it, it's more than what you saw in the first book, you know, the original ASL rule book, but it's nowhere near the complexity of the of the follow up rule book. It's you know because these my whole idea in these discs just start playing get 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 the counters get the chits under your fingers and push them move them shoot them up do you know i mean and that's just vitally important you know uh because that's going to make the difference so yeah and that's the advice we always give uh the listeners and uh on that note we will say an official farewell then yeah and we'll look forward to to talking to you more in the future. We know we've, you've got a lot more to tell us and we've got a lot of questions for you. So uh, we'd like to do this again in the future. Yep. Although you also know how long it takes us to, to get around. To <laughs> our well, you know, I mean, we have a list of like six people. Yeah. Five, five years from now I retire. So, you know, hopefully uh, somewhere in there uh, we can get this done. So. <laughs> it was nice. Right. Well, to thank you, you very much. And, and if thank you very much. anybody out there that I used to, play with really i'm a much nicer guy than i seem then seriously honestly <laughs> <laughs> we must be we've had a great time yeah so we'll say uh thank you so much for all thank you very much given to the hobby and and for giving us your time tonight take care guys have a good one all right bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>